Welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. Much like many other podcasts, our goals are to inform, educate, and entertain. The informing and educating portions are very specific in that our goal is to provide the listeners with an insider view of what it looks like to work in sports across different roles and organizations. To do this, we've been extremely fortunate to have amazing guests provide our listeners with that detail. What's even more rewarding is when those guests are former students, just like our guest today, Colin Sexton. Colin joined the University of Kansas Athletic Department in August of 2021 and currently serves as the Associate Athletic Director for Strategic Initiatives and Chief of Staff, as well as the Sports Administrator for the Kansas Football Program. Colin joined the University of Kansas from Northwestern, where he was an Assistant Athletics Director for Leadership Giving. While in that role, Colin contributed a record-breaking fundraising campaign of over $460 million to the Athletics Department at Northwestern. Prior to his time at Northwestern, Colin was the Director of Football Operations and Chief of Staff at Bowling Green State University. There, he managed the day-to-day operations of the football program, coordinated all travel plans, and oversaw staff, department budgets, academics, compliance, and alumni relations. Prior to his time at Bowling Green, Colin worked at Learfield's corporate office in Plano, Texas, as a support assistant. Colin played four years of college football at Kansas State University, where he was a two-time academic Big 12 recipient. He was on the Big 12 Commissioner's Honor Roll four times. He graduated from Kansas State in 2016 with a degree in journalism and mass communications and a minor in business administration. Colin also earned his master's degree in sports administration from Northwestern in 2021. For me, this is a very special episode because Colin is not only a former student, but I was his thesis advisor for his work around the optimal path to becoming an athletic director, a path that Colin is well down now. And so we hope you all enjoy this interview with Colin Sexton. Colin, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Appreciate you guys having me. This is a really exciting episode for me. So for the listeners, some transparency. Colin was in my class many, many quarters ago. Actually, not that many quarters ago. It's not that far since you graduated. But I was also Colin's thesis advisor with the great work that he did around the optimal path to becoming Power 5 Athletic Director. And what's really cool to see is Colin is on that path now. And so, Colin, you have such a storied history in sports from a young age and being a player, being a collegiate athlete, and then your work at different universities and then on to the, the program at Northwestern and now today. So can you kind of give us a give us a view of, of how you've gotten to where you are today? Yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate you saying it wasn't that many quarters ago, Bryce, because I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was great. I, I enjoyed that process and the this sport administration program there at Northwestern is, is second to none. And that was a, a great experience uh, for me to go through. And um, yeah, so some of the best people I've met on my journey has been at Northwestern. Um, but my, my path has been um, a little unique compared to the rest of the uh, athletic college athletic administrators in this industry. Um, so I grew up middle of nowhere, Kansas on a farm in Abilene and went to Kansas State University and, and played football there for, for coach Bill Snyder, which was incredible experience and knew I wanted to work in sports, but had no idea what that meant. I had no idea all the people behind the scenes and the business aspects of college athletics. I mean, I knew there was a coach. I knew there was a position coach, a strength coach, and that was about it. 
I mean, if I'm being 100% honest with you, um, but knowing how much of a business is behind all of what goes into a game day on Saturday uh, became so intriguing to me as I started to dig in. And so it was two weeks before graduation. I had no idea what I wanted to do. had absolutely no clue. And I reached out to my network a little bit and I stumbled upon uh, Learfield, um, which obviously is a, is a big player in the multimedia rights space in college athletics. And um, through my connections, ended up landing an internship in uh, their corporate office in Plano, Texas. So I, uh, I took myself and my cargo shorts down to uh, Plano, Texas and, and showed up day one in cargo shorts. So um, it's, I love telling that story because people are like, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, my gosh, like, you, you know, you must have had it figured out all this time getting to where you are. No, no chance. I had no idea what I was getting into. So I went to the corporate office and I was a, a support assistant, which was a, a basically a glorified intern for about three or four months. And was able to build relationships with the VPs there and working day to day with them, even in the smallest capacity, you know, getting coffee and delivering mail. Uh, but I tried to be strategic even in those little things um, and having conversations throughout that, you know, those day to day interactions. And um, long story short, I kept pressing on pressing them on. I wanted to sell sponsorships at one of the properties. Um, and so kept hitting them, kept hitting them on that. And then finally, one day I walked in and I said, OK, we're shipping you to Bowling Green, Ohio just for a couple of weeks, we're doing a little, like you're going to reprieve someone who's been out. Um, and I was like, okay, let's do it. Never been to Ohio, had no idea. So I went up there, I was in a hotel room and um, was working eight to six. And the, Chuck Spicer was the head of the property, the general manager at the time. He'd pick me up at eight, drive me to work. I worked till six, he'd drive me back to the hotel. And that was kind of rinse and repeat for a while. And then three, four weeks went by. I was still there. And, and he called the corporate office and said, we'd like to keep calling on board. So decided to go with that. Stayed at Falcon Sports Property, which was a subdivision property of Learfield. So sold sponsorships for about a year. Um, loved it. Enjoyed it. It was a great experience. But then realized, okay, maybe this isn't exactly for me. And, and right as I was kind of realizing that, I got a call from the head football coach at Bowling Green State, who was Mike Jinks at the time. And, and he said, hey, I want you to be my chief of staff slash director of football operations. Going back to I had no idea what that position even entailed, called my network and started figuring out, hey, this is something that I might actually want to do and get my foot in the door and get that good experience. And so made that transition from manager of business development, Falcon Sports Properties to director of football operations, um, learned a ton in that position, in that role. I mean, it, especially at the group of five level, you, there's so much that goes into it that it, it's it's um, it's amazing how few of people staff-wise they have and how many hats you have to wear. And so that was an incredible experience. And then fast forward, you know, 18 months, unfortunately, uh, Coach Jinks got fired, um, which it was a um, – brutal introduction into college athletics for me because two months later we all got fired um but luckily before that season had started i knew i wanted to be an athletic director long term and so doing my own research i realized that being in fundraising and development was that route and so i started reaching out to people before that season of 2018 began week seven coach Sinks gets fired and i'm starting to talk to talk to places like northwestern about openings that they have in fundraising and so we get let go. It was, I, I think it was December 4th. And then fast forward in January, I'm starting at Northwestern in, in a development fundraising position. 
um, which was the best decision I ever could have made joining the team with, you know, Travis Goff and Dr. Jim Phillips and so many others there that, that played a pivotal role um, in my growth and development. And um, so I was there for about two and a half years. And then um, Travis Goff, who, who was one of the you know influential folks who hired me at um, Northwestern, ended up getting the athletic director job at the University of Kansas. And uh, long story short, it, it worked out to where we were able to um, find the perfect role for me to join him and, and be an asset to him and his transition and what we're trying to achieve here at the University of Kansas. And now it's been, you know, 18, 19 months um, here and it's been a whirlwind and it's it's been a, a great experience and wouldn't tra- change it for the world. And there, there's a lot of exciting things ahead. So I know that's long winded, but that's my my unique path. It is a unique path. Even thinking back to your thesis work, again, I was in Colin's thesis advisor, and it was some of the best work that I've ever had the opportunity to be involved with because it was so tangible. What I mean by that is a big thing that we tried to do in the program, but on this podcast as well, is to open people's eyes to what those jobs really mean. They oftentimes, we have the view of what an athletic director does based on being a high school athlete and what the athletic director did at that level. Or we have the view through the media. Someone like myself who grew up in the Midwest and watched Big Ten football, I always think of Barry Alvarez. He was always on television. He knew who he was. And that's kind of the view you give, a, give an athletic director. But it's really cool to hear some of these things. You know, one of the more interesting things that I have found, we, had, we were really fortunate to have Tyler Jones uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast from Northwestern. And he is also a sport administrator. And that was one of the interesting things that I saw along the responsibilities. You have that same responsibility. He does it for basketball, but yours is for football. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails, meaning being the sport administrator for that particular sport, in addition to the role that you have as the chief of staff and has that you wear? Definitely. Um, no, it's it's something that the sport administrator role was something that I feel like in my research that I found kind of came about you know, early 2000s. And I think that's when college athletics really started becoming a, a conglomerate or, you know, just a, it was a giant business venture to where an athletic director used to have a pulse on every single sport every day with no issue. But it got to the point where it was it was so significant that you almost had to have many athletic directors for each sport, if that makes sense. And so it's your job to keep a pulse on everything that is going on in that program. And so for football, for instance, you know, you have a staff of, you know, 30 to 40 that you have to have a pulse on, obviously a great working relationship with normally it's the head coach, the director of football operations. Sometimes in our case, we have a general manager in Rob Ionello. That's a new kind of position in college athletics. Um, usually keep a pulse with the strength coach. Basically there's, there's five to eight that you really have to be intertwined with on a day-to-day basis to understand what is happening within the program, any potential risks that are popping up and any potential player issues, um, et cetera. Um, so that's that's that side of it and understanding the football side and being honestly, you almost feel like you're a part of the football staff to a degree with an administrative lens. And sometimes, unfortunately, you have to be the bad guy because you have the administrative lens. Um, and so it's hard to, to balance the two, because with my football background, having played and then having been on a, on a football staff. I empathize a lot of times with what they're going through or some of the wishes they have or the wants they have. But then I also, on the administrative side, I'm reporting to the athletic director in this instance, Travis Goff. I have to be budget conscious. 
I have to worry about perception and optics of the community, the region, you know, uh, whether that be different, um, you know, religious groups that something could affect or different student groups that something could affect. So there's a whole different world that I have to be privy to while still appreciating what the football staff is going through. And then at the end of the day, it's realizing that we're ultimately judged on wins and losses and what is going to help move this program forward. And so that's my approach every single day with Coach Leipold. Um, he's going on year three now, and he's done an incredible job. We went to a bowl game for the first time in 13, 14 years, and um, we're really on the rise right now. And so it's what can I do to help continue that rise? I ask my, myself that every day. But then on the administrative side, how do we do that in the right way without burning any bridges, without rubbing anyone the wrong way? We want to do it the right way. And so doing both of those things, especially in today's world of college athletics, where you have name image and likeness that is just off the wall, wild west. It's like we still want to do it the right way. And that might make us a little bit slower to get there, but we're going to do it the right way. I think, too, that lays a groundwork for going forward. You mentioned NIL. It is the Wild West. We've talked about it so much. We talked about it with, I mentioned Tyler Jones, with several guests this year on the podcast, we've talked about it because they're still evolving to what it could become. And so I want to come back to that, but you mentioned your time as a player and that's such a unique experience. There are a small number, even with however many people are on a roster at a college level and the number of universities in this country. And it's still a minute number of people percentage-wise that have played sports at that level. And so being a former player at that level, how much of that do you use day to day? Did it give you an advantage or did it give you a leg up or the ability to learn more easily because you kind of been through it though on the other side? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. And it's something that I probably personally downplayed up until this point in my career because I, I never wanted to be the person that said, oh, hey, look, I played division one college football. Like that's just not, not who I am. Um, but it's something that I've realized is such an asset in what we're trying to accomplish. Like having someone that understands the administrative side and understanding the football side. Like I understand what these student athletes are going through every day. I understand like if it takes 10 minutes to get from place to place, like can we make that more efficient for them so they can spend more time watching film or they can spend more time doing like it's the little things that unless you've been in their shoes, it's hard to relate to. Um, and so honestly, I'm not even joking you. I, I had this conversation with coach Leipold probably not too long ago that I never being a former football player has never played as much of a factor in my career until now. And it is playing a factor every single day. It's really interesting that you talk about how it doesn't get to it until this point in your career, because is one thing that students or people in general ask me all the time is how do I get into sports? And there's no answer to that question. There's so many different routes, but oftentimes we think, well, if you played college athletics, that's an easy runway. So it's interesting to see that you downplayed that in the reverse, but now it makes sense that you would play that up because in the role that you're in now and the level of that role and the visibility of it, with being a former player, it almost gives you the ability to relate because being those student athletes have to relate to you in some way. And so it does it give you the ability to relate to them or do they relate to you better because of that former player? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think it's funny. You know, I have good relationships with a lot of our student athletes, a lot of our football student athletes. And it's funny that oftentimes through the back door, they'll find out that I played 
college football. And when they find that out, it's almost like they look at me different. Like they're like, oh, you're one of us. Because before it's just like I'm a guy walking around in a sport coat or a suit. And, you know, they they don't probably understand exactly what I do. They know I'm around. They know I'm helpful. They know they know I'm there, but they don't understand the ins and outs of my day to day. But once they find out that I was in their shoes, you know, not that long ago, they look at me different. I'm like, OK, like we still respect you, but you're one of us. And so there's a different different level of comfortability there, which I think provides a, a whole other element for for positive growth and what we're trying to build here. Yeah, on both sides, for you and for them, because the ability for them to relate to you and you also know what they're going through. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, and I know that there's people that know that you're going to be on the show this week that, that wanted to know this as well, but back to the last one about your playing days, what was it like to play for Coach Snyder? Um, no, that's a, a, a great question, and it's a question that I, I never tire of, of being asked because – Coach Snyder is one of the, obviously, the most legendary um, coaches of all time in college football. And I think if you truly understand college football, you look at what he did and it's it's hard to fathom. I mean, it was it was a program that was about to honestly just get rid of football or downgrade to a lesser level. Um, and it was a university at the time that may have been struggling a little bit. And so you really look at what he built and it's, it's absolutely incredible. And so going into his program, the respect, you know, I, I obviously – was toward the tail end of his second stint. Um, and so he had been there for a long time. And so obviously growing up with my parents going to Kansas State, my brother playing there, like I knew a lot of like Bill Snyder. I mean, the respect level was there. But once I got in the program, you know, from the outside, you're like, okay, this is just a, a nice older man and and he does everything right, which is so true. But he also demanded so much from us and demanded us to be better people off the field and demanded us to be better players on the field. And and he squeezed every ounce out of us possible, both as athletes and as human beings. And uh, it honestly, anything I go through in the rest of my life is easy now because of what I went through in his program mentally and physically. And so everything I do in life every day, if I'm struggling, I'm, I think back to those times and I'm like, man, this is easy. So I, uh, I appreciate him more than more than he'll ever know. Well, and you sitting there doing the role that you do and being impactful for student athletes every day, I'm sure one would make him happy, but two is a credit to him in the sense that it seems the best coaches are always ones that develop the human beings versus just develop the athletes. Because at the end of the day, most folks that end up playing sports at that level don't end up going on to do things. And so developing them as a human is vitally important. But you mentioned your parents went to Kansas State. Your brother played at Kansas State. You played at Kansas State. As someone that grew up in Indiana, and I went to undergrad at Purdue, but a lot of my family went to IU. And so I understand that in-state rivalry. Now being at, at, at Kansas, what's that like? Is there any weird friction on your side from the other side when they find out you played Division One football at Kansas State? Is there any strangeness there at all? You know, it's it's interesting. And um, that's the beauty of college athletics and, and the life that I'm living right now is a testament to why I love college athletics. Rivalries exist, pageantry exists, and it runs so deep, the connection to your alma mater and normally the athletics that are you know, tied to your alma mater. There's nothing that can compare to it. And it's such a beautiful thing. And that's why I'm in this industry because of the passion. Um, and I say that because of the fact that, yes, it did ruffle feathers when I when I decided to take this job. 
Um, it ruffled feathers on both sides. There were people with within Kansas athletics, not not obviously in the department, but just in the broader scope, you know, the 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 anonymous Twitter folks out there that probably looked at it like, really, we're bringing the rival in. What are we doing? Like looking at it from that side. And then okay, state folks are like, you know, some of them are like, what are we doing? Like, how, how could you go to the rival? And and I get that. And I, I love it. I think it makes so much sense. And that's the beauty of everything. But the people who understand the business of college athletics appreciate respect and understand the decision. And my biggest thing is, is what I tell people is, you know, one, first and foremost, Travis Scott is one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever been around. And I, I trust him more than anything. And he, and he trusts me and empowers me. And it's such a rarity to find in any industry, let alone college athletics to really find that person that um, you can really do incredible work with. And um, so finding that at Northwestern and then him transitioning to the university of Kansas, I, I remember when he went, I was like, I joined in a heartbeat. And like, I remember that being, I did never was like, Oh, this is a rival. And, and then secondarily, it was the the opportunity here. Um, obviously being more of a football focused um, mind on my end is I saw this as a giant opportunity. A lot of people saw it as a place that there's no way this can get figured out. There's no way that they can go from the, the depths of the power five or even FBS, you know, uh, you know, ranking at the bottom every year for almost 15 years straight. There's no way this can rebound. And I looked at that as like, what better opportunity is there in college athletics? There's not. And so coupled with being with Travis Goff and the opportunity that existed here with the football program to do something incredibly special and build a brand new stadium and do all of these things that we plan to do and hire a great head coach like Lance Leipold. I mean, all of those things together and being back in the state that I love so much and and I have so many friends and family nearby, it's too good to be true. So I love the rivalry. I entertain it. I welcome it. Um, I want to want to beat K-State more than anyone um, because that's that's the beauty of what we're doing here. And so it's a it's a really good question. I get asked that probably once a day. You frame it really well because the rivalries are one thing that make college athletics so unique. Again, I went to undergrad at Purdue and living back in the state of Indiana now and Purdue is pretty good this year, basketball wise, but it's gotten beaten by IU twice, both at home and at IU. And so it's infuriating in that sense. But on the flip side of it, just like you, I think the rivalry is really important and really interesting with even being someone that went to Purdue. I enjoy IU. I enjoy going there. I enjoy seeing them do well. I enjoy seeing the big 10 teams do well. So it does make, college athletics so unique. We spent a lot of time talking about football, obviously, because you're so ingrained in that, historically speaking, but that's not all of your job. The primary piece of your job is Associate Athletic Director for Strategic Initiatives, and then also the Chief of Staff, along with your football responsibilities. You talk about those first two, the Strategic Initiatives and the Chief of Staff role. What do those things entail? Because I think it's easy for us to conceptualize, okay, hey, I'm working with the football program, and there's lots of things that can happen inside of that. But it's a little more nebulous on that higher level of what is the associate athletic director for strategic initiatives and then the chief of staff role? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And it's something that sometimes I have a hard time to define because you'll have to ask me on on 
what certain day, and I'll give you a different question uh, based on the day or a different answer to your question based on the day. And and essentially, the easiest way to boil it down is um, I, I work very closely with the athletic director, uh, and, and what is going on in Travis's world is is very important. What's going on in my world, and I kind of serve as that that buffer, that um, you know, assistance to how can we help move along the major private reasons department, and so. It, it's kind of it's interesting how it's shifted since the time we've been here, you know, just a shade under two years. And um, initially it was a lot of personnel related items. It was, you know, certain head coaching hires or it was certain deputy AD hires that um, I was a big part of and, and trying to get the right people on board and shifting that personnel. Um, and then it went to some cultural aspects. How can we institute a, a cultural change within this department that not saying the culture was broken by any means, but it just could be enhanced. I feel like culture can always be enhanced and, and culture is action. And that's something that maybe this place was missing a little bit of. And so it was like, how can we shift the way people work together? How can we continue to attract great talent here? And that's something that we did early on. And then also, um, you know, aside from Travis's priorities, uh, I, was kind of the lead for the uh, strategic uh, plan process, which was about a 16 month process. And so basically that's laying out the department's goals for the next five years. And so that was a deep dive, 16 month long, 46 committee member um, endeavor. And so that was something in itself that was so, it was unique and I'm very thankful for that time because I was able to get a very good pulse early on. Normally it takes a very long time to understand the whole inner workings of an athletic department and the university and the community in the region. But because of that strategic planning process, I was able to get an understanding of everything that encompasses University of Kansas athletics. And <clears throat> that was a very rewarding process that I think is really kind of driving us right now. And it's kind of like, for lack of better terms, it's our compass for where we're going in every single department. Um, and so that was a big part of my early time. And so it, it's, it kind of just depends on the day. And that's what the unique part of my job. I think some people think I'm crazy sometimes because I have no structure in my job. Absolutely none. And it's, it's something that I have to be organizationally on top of as much as possible. And every single day things get thrown, I get thrown a curveball. And uh, it's something that I, I enjoy and I truly do love it. Uh, but depends on the day. Sorry for that uh, lack of clarity. No, I think it's good clarity. And I think that's really important for people to understand is that when you talk about working in athletics, it's different. Right. There are lots of folks that are the same as regular business, but there's many things that are different as well. One of those being that you work when other people are enjoying themselves, attending games and so on. So I think that it's really good perspective because you're right. It has to change on a day-to-day -day basis and that structure has to be different. But you said it's 18 months. You've been there 18 months already? Mm -hmm. Yep, correct. That is incredible. I remember this transition for you when you were thinking about doing that transition. It's crazy to think that it's been 18 months, but after a year and a half of getting your feet under you, what is the most surprising thing that you have come across versus either your stops previously, the work at Northwestern or Bowling Green, or just outside of what you thought the role of an athletic director would play? Mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a good question. So I think from the athletic director standpoint, being so close to Travis and I mean, his office is right next door. And so I get to kind of see the life he lives, even when I'm not intertwined in his you know, day to day. Um, it's incredibly busy, incredibly busy. 
And there are so many different constituents that have to be engaged every single day, especially when you talk about something that we're trying to do here that maybe wasn't a well-oiled machine before. Obviously, Kansas basketball, most prominent brand, right? I mean, it's absolutely incredible what Bill Self and uh, previous coaches have accomplished here. But when you talk about the football aspect and then just the broader Kansas Athletics brand and what we're trying to accomplish here, it takes a significant hole in every constituent possible. You talk about all of the major players within the campus community, within the, the Lawrence community and the region and the state. I mean, you go on and on and it's you're constantly engaging those folks to try to get on board with your vision and where you're going. And much to Travis's credit is he's, he's so effective and genuine in that process and authentic. Um, and so just seeing that, the biggest surprise is how much of a lift it is, like how much comes across his desk every day, how many decisions are made every day. And sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, how do you keep your head on straight? I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. And I think people, I probably would answer that question differently three years ago. I think college athletics has literally turned on its head in the last three years to where it is just ramped up. And people three years ago probably would have said, there's no way it could get any busier. And three years later, it is just, it's incredible. And so I, I applaud him and I admire him for the way he handles it with such grace and uh, appreciation for others around him when, I mean, your head could easily just be swirling. So I think, I think that's the biggest surprise from the athletic director standpoint from University of Kansas here. I think it's the, the amount you can affect change how quickly you can affect change just by intentionality and by being strategic and how you approach certain decisions and um, involvement and inclusion, including others. Um, and I think we've, we've done some great things so far and we've really affected change. I think it's been mostly positive and obviously we have a long, long, long way to go. Um, but it's been a pleasant surprise about how easily we can affect change in a place like this. And I think if you look at other places out there, it might be a little harder. If you look at the huge athletic departments, I think, you know, like the University of Texas or Ohio State or some of those like, you know, huge, huge, huge conglomerates where affecting change might not be that easy. But a place like this that still is big, still has a very prominent brand, still has all the opportunity in the world. It still has that like small family feel. And that's been a pleasant surprise. And it's it's been a real it's been a joy, to be honest with you. It has to be. It has to be one of the reasons you get into it to affect that change and some of that change being at a student athlete level to impact their lives. You mentioned all those changes in college athletics recently, even since you were in the program, but far more since you were a student athlete. Some of those things, conference realignment, the changes around conference dynamics and how those things work. NIL, you mentioned how much of your day are you thinking about those things and those changes and how much of that do you have to address and does it worry you in any way? Or my guess, the answer that you're going to give is much like you've talked about previously is see those things as an opportunity to continue to advance and evolve. Correct. I, I think it is a giant opportunity. You think about conference realignment and um, I think the new big 12 is in a really good place. I mean, you look at, you know, obviously the best basketball conference in the country. I think that's undebatable. Um, and then a really, really good football conference and taking steps forward there. And so the big 12 is in really good shape, but no one knows what the future is going to hold as far as commentary alignment goes. And so the only thing you can control or we can control here at KU 
is we have to position ourselves best possible way, no matter if that's to appeal to the existing Big 12 or anything in a decade or two decades. You always, I think what carpentry alignment has showed, no one knows what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. And so you have to put your best foot forward and make sure that you're prepared to showcase your athletic department and your university when that time does come where there's another shift. And you got to make sure that I think the biggest thing is, is just making sure that you're still a major player. And obviously, like I, I grew up in the Big 12 and I, I love the Big 12. I think it's it's one of the best conferences. And and so I hope it stays intact and, and I hope it's one of the, the powers to be for a long time to come. But no one can predict that. And that's the exciting part. And like you said, you go back to the opportunity. Um, so conference alignment is probably more of an overarching approach. Uh, I don't think about it every day at all. But you do constantly have that thought of how can we continue to best position KU Athletics and the KU brand um, just for long-term success. And then secondly, NIL, yes, every day. Everyday thought, everyday conversation. Um, we actually hi- hired two director of NILs um, that are actually in-house now um, that I, I talk to each of them probably daily. Um, and that's NIL has become such a, a huge part of what we do. And whether we like it or not, and to be honest with you, when it first came on board, I, I did like it for the fact of being able to go back to your hometown and hold a camp for young kids and being able to profit a little bit off of it. But the uh, obviously pay for play is illegal, but I feel like you're seeing some of that out there maybe a little bit, you know, with the recruiting aspects and the inducements, which is they say not to do, but right now there's not enough legislation around it to really control it. Um, but I agreed with it to the smaller scale and now it's getting to the point where it's just like, okay, like this does it really need to be to this level? And some would argue yes, some would argue no. But it is something that's there and it's a constant battle in recruiting. It's stuff that we, you know, sometimes we hear stuff come up in in recruiting conversations where recruits parents will be like, hey, how, how much can we make here? And that's just not that's not us. That's not us. That's not the type of, of character, you know, we hope to have here at the, at the University of Kansas. If that's your first question, this probably isn't the place for you. And, and that's kind of what we've, what we've talked about. But anyways, it's, it's a conversation every day. It's a wild west. We, uh, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it by the book, but we're still going to be progressive and aggressive where we can be. It's one of those things that's evolving so much. It's such a moving target. You mentioned it too. I think the spirit of it is, Incredible. You probably had this experience being an athlete, but I knew student athletes when I was an undergrad that you'd see them on television on Saturdays, but then didn't have enough money to go out and enjoy themselves after the game or couldn't buy a winter coat. And I think that the ability to have some of that, you know, just money in their pocket for little things like that is a really great situation. But I don't envy your spot of trying to figure out all the logistical wranglings that come at a university level or a conference level or an individual athlete level. It's got to be a lot to to deal with there. Uh, certainly. It definitely is. And it's something that, you know, and then you talk about just the funding aspect of it and the sustainability aspect of it. And especially in our, our scenario where we are trying to do a major facility upgrade for our football program, you start talking about the, the donor well. People call it the well, you know, how deep is that well? And are you going to run it dry if you really attack one of these areas? So it's just it's brought another fundraising initiative on board that's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be a priority 
but then you're also trying to do these giant capital projects at the same time. And so it's just added another another layer, another dynamic. And the priorities are probably one A, one B. And it's it's uh yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a challenge and you know we welcome it. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that eventually there's some legislation that that regulates it a little bit. I have the strategic plan in front of me now, and it talks about those capital projects and the goals that you have there around not only David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium, but the football complex. And it's got to be interesting, though, looking at the strategic plan that's laid out here, coming from someone who just finished an enormous amount of work doing their thesis and the research and the study that's involved there, had to be a pretty easy transition into contributing to something like the strategic plan. Definitely. No, it really was. And honestly, I used a similar template from, from my thesis to going into the strategic plan. And um, it was funny. We worked with uh, Jeff Schimmel, who's a former uh, Division One athletics director, and, and now he's uh, the head of College Sports Solutions. And so he kind of he's a he's a third party consultant who uh, specializes in strategic plans and searches and things like that. But uh, I remember talking to Jeff and, and he's he's great. And uh, he, he did a lot of great work for us, but early on, you know, he was like, well, you know, we'll interview, you know, 20, 30, 40 people. And then we'll have a committee of about eight members that, that turned into 120 interviews and a member a committee members group of, of 46. And so we kind of wanted to, we approached it from the fact that, Hey, we want to do something different and we want to approach this different. We want this to be a living, breathing document that evolves over time and we continue to update. It's not something we print to check a box and say, hey, we did that, put it on the shelf and never revisit it. It's something that we're constantly checking on, something we're constantly talking about, and it, it will continue to go down that route. And so transitioning from the thesis into this, that like the thesis process obviously was very in-depth and, and took a lot of time and a lot of organization to, to get it to the product of, of what it finished at. And um, yeah, there's a lot of similarity. And I think that the instant gratification aspect does not exist in, in this world, in my job. And I think in an era that instant gratification is, is so apparent, um, it's something that I had to get over quickly because waiting for something to be published for 16 months, it, it takes some patience. And that's, uh, that's something that I learned in my thesis as well, because that was about 16, 18 months ago. So a uh, lot, lot of correlations there. Yeah, there are. But at the end of the day, the quality of work in both of those things is something that you can live with forever. And I think looking at the strategic plan, it's a really cool document to see, again, back to how many of us don't understand beyond the surface layer what all the administration pieces happen in college athletics. And there's so much that goes into it. We just see college basketball games on television, men's or women's or, or football games on Saturdays. and And we think, well, those things just kind of go off, but there's so many talented people underneath that have a lot of work to do to get to that, yourself included. I could ask you a million questions and there are so many things that we could go around with, but get you out of here on this. And it's kind of coming back to the work that we did together. It was very apparent from the moment that you and I met when we were in class and the work you did subsequently that you have the commitment to understanding, one, how to get to the role that you are today, but evolve past that eventually to be an athletic director. What have you learned in this role now that was maybe counter to the research that you did or counter the work you did or things that affirm the work you did? And what does that evolution path look like? Has it your thought changed based on what you knew previously? And after 18 months of being in this role that you're in now, has that changed? 
That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I don't think that I've technically, I've really thought about it a whole lot. I think with the way college athletics is right now and how much we have going on here, um, I would say right, wrong, or indifferent. Previously in my career, I don't know if I've ever truly been where my feet are. I think I've always kind of been looking ahead and planning and trying to chart my path. And for the first time, I can unequivocally say I'm where my feet are. And that's because we are so busy and we have so many really great things happening here and we're affecting change and it's just the beginning. And so to be a part of something like this is is so special and incredible. And to work for someone like Travis and to work closely with someone like Coach Leipold, who is one of the most storied, you know, head coaches in, in college football history. And um, to do it at a place that, that I mean, the sky's the limit is I, I haven't even thought about the next step, to be honest with you. And and I think what I have, I mean, to answer your question maybe a little bit, what I have noticed is just um I think longevity is important. And I think being able to show that you can see something from start to finish and you can see a project from start to finish and you can see a rebuild from start to finish. And so when you talk about all of the things we have happening here and I tell you that like, this is just the beginning and we're just getting started. Like me personally, I want to be able to see that through. And I want to be able to see a stadium built through and an operations center built and like not just one bull game. Let's go to four or five consecutive bull games maybe get like, you know, this keep, keep building, keep stacking, keep stacking, because I think that consistency element um, is, is important in, in being able to show that and that and the rebuild. And so anyway, long story short, um, it's, I'm loving where I'm at. It's exciting where we're at. It's, it's incredibly busy and it's something that's so unique that I'm soaking that up. And I think when you're not looking for the next step, you know, in so many years down the road that that usually finds you. And, and so I, I'm, I'm just kind of soaking it up and, and learning as much as possible and enjoying where we're at. What is cool to see you go from really the gears turning of, okay, I want to understand the path to get here and the path to evolve in that. And to now see you get into that and understand that immersing yourself in it is as valuable as understanding the path outside of that and that those things will evolve from that. So it's amazing to see the work that you've done come to fruition. So Colin, we can't thank enough for the time today. It's incredible insight for our listeners and we really appreciate the time. No, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And um, thanks for, thanks for taking the time on your end as well.